Hello everyone. Welcome to CPPR's podcast series Policy Beyond Politics. In these podcasts we'll be discussing new and crucial developments in the field of education, international relations, law, geoeconomics, global governance among others. And we present you with interesting insights from our in-house and external research scholars. The following podcast is extracted from a webinar organized by CPPR on implementing national education policy charting Kerala's education goals 2025. The discussion is carried out by Dr. Shakila T. Shamshu and CPPR's chairman, Dr. D. Dhanuraj. Dr. Shakila Shamshu is a special advisor to CPPR and is a former OSD in the Department of Higher Education, Ministry of Education, Government of India. It's my pleasure to host uh, Dr. Shakila Shamshu for this education series uh, uh, that we are starting today. And today the focus is going to be on school education and uh, the national education policy impact and implementation challenges in the state of Kerala. Dr. Shamsu has worked with this uh, uh, new education policy uh, committee in the capacity as a member secretary and uh, it's uh, very rare for policy makers or the educators or the or the researchers to come across somebody who was an insider to come open and discuss about what was happening and what was the motive and uh, what was the intent behind the policy making so ma'am i would l- like to start with that note you know since uh, you are uh, you played a major crucial role in this national education policy framework could you share us an overview of net uh, to the benefit of the participants at this year thank you uh, dr dhanuraj and thank you to nisi for uh, her kind words of introduction uh see the pol is uh, the uh, education policy as you know the current one is the first of the 21st century we really emphasize that very significantly uh because many are asking this question why did we have to have a new education policy the very fact that you've had a long lapse of time from the previous policy socio economic changes technological changes the way that knowledge itself has got metamorphosed has all resulted with also the underlying philosophy that we are uh, as a con- country committed to the global uh, development goals the sustainable development goals and we thought that we should actually look at learning in the 21st century so the rationale for having a national education policy uh, has started it was a long exercise in started in 2014 we had 33 themes identified Uh, for consultations and in a certain sense this would be one of the largest consultation exercises in any uh, country in the world for policy making aware uh, the body or the volume of suggestions that went into this policy making was about nearly 7 lakhs 5 lakhs prior to what this committee had done the committee to draft national education policy under the uh, esteemed chairmanship of dr k kasturi rangan and uh, very illustrious panel with manjul bhargav and professor vasudha kamath and many others and it's not that i'm just not taking everybody's name but it's an illustrious panel many of you would have gone through that and that report of this committee also received something like 2 lakh suggestions now why did we want the changes that we suggested in school education is more based on evidence evidence that ecc plays a fundamental role because it's related to the brain development and the neural networks that are connected at that age critical ages between 0 to 6 why do we talk about the 5 plus 3 plus 3 plus 4 architecture 
it is not a physical architecture but a curricular and pedagogical restructuring so that the approach to curricula the approach to teaching learning and the approach to assessment will be modified to actually help learners to learn more effectively the question is not about learning alone how to learn in a more effective manner that is what an education system needs to tell to the students because today you have technology and internet and so many other sources of information that the role of the teacher itself has got changed from one of information dissemination to being one of a facilitator but at the same time the kind of challenges and the kind of jobs that may be called that may be coming about requires a total change in the perception of learning so the entire chapters on school education the policy you know is comprehensive we are looking at ages 3 to 18 as far as school is concerned then going to higher which is a larger age group and embedding within itself technical uh, the vocational education technology in education so it's a very comprehensive document and where it recognizes that learning is in a continuum so the main features of the school education has been to look at the challenges of learning that children have how can learning be made more effective in terms of learning outcomes how can we cater to the holistic development of the child which is very very critical because today you have a society where thing where there is a thought process that only two professions can be considered and that is to become an engineer or a doctor and you need to change that there are avenues for development in sports in music in animation in so many areas and that is why in the cardinal principles that we have outlined in the chapter 1 we have started with saying recognize the unique potential of every single child and contribute to the holistic development of that child through the vehicle of the education system so i think it might not be appropriate at this stage to sort of unfold all of it but that has been the thinking to actually make learning more effective to make our children actually become the center the the focus of the policy has been on the learner and therefore to empower that learner whether it is a learner in the school or a learner in a higher education system or an adult learner to empower that learner through a very robust education system which the current system is so rigid it has to be unstructured it has to be made more flexible because we are living in a world which is so flexible and if you if you stick to rigidities if you stick to rigidities in curriculum if you stick to rigidities in the teaching learning processes you stick to rigidities in assessment you will find a bulk of the children falling outside the scope and we condemn them as being either failures or dropouts by which we are doing a grave injustice to the potential and the abilities and the talents of the children and through the the new policy we want to have better knowledge better capabilities and better skills in our children that's the whole idea uh thank you ma'am i mean i think uh, that's as the tone for uh, today's conversation uh you just mentioned that uh, there is no physical restructuring but uh, i think many have raised this i think many are confused or they want to clarify this point you know when we say 5 plus 3 plus 3 plus 4 what does it mean because for most of them this is nothing but a physical restructuring you no know, classes and for example in kerala we have this elementary stage from 1 to 4 then 5 uh, to 
seven is uh, upper primary and uh, nine ten is uh, high school uh, and then higher secondary so uh, since you mentioned this is not a physical restructuring uh, can you clarify that point yeah so uh, the whole uh, as i said this policy is based on certain scientific evidence evidence in the way the learning trajectory takes place and while the 10 plus 2 that structure that we are talking about is more of a physical restructuring which was done and many states have schools which are only classes 1 to 3 some have schools which have classes 1 to 5 some have second only classes between 5 to 8 some have classes between 8 to 10 and the 11th and the 12th have been distinctly outside the schooling system some of them call that as the junior college in maharashtra and the western part of the world rest of us over here we say that it is the 10 plus 2 now this is a physical restructuring whereas what the policy has said is that it is a approach to the curriculum so the foundational stage between ages 3 to 8 which encompasses a very strong emphasis on early childhood care and education this uh, the fact that there is evidence which was shared by the institute of brain sciences which tells us that in a child's brain development as we see 0 to 6 is the most critical stage where the nutritional aspect the health aspect and the intellectual aspects and the emotional development of the child takes place so the neural synapses starts getting connected only if you have some activity towards creativity towards cognitive learning towards connecting things and so on there but this needs to be done not through formal learning and the idea of early child care and education starting from ages 3 to going on to up to 6 years because we have currently someone joining the class 1 at age 6 so between 3 to 8 and actually we would like between 3 to 8 not to have even classes that's what the report said the draft nep 2019 did not even want classes to say that this is class 1 class 2 and so on we just wanted it to be a free flow so that children between the ages of 3 to 8 depending on their abilities to assimilate on the basis of creative learning and discovery based learning and joyful learning play way method not formal no for formal paper and pencil at all were actually to shuttle between their these age groups with by allowing them to decide which level of competencies that they have acquired but since as i said suddenly having a very unstructured age group between 3 to 8 at the foundational may not have had the kind of receptivity for implementation we have therefore set the foundational stage is 3 to 8 that is covering the preschool and also classes 1 and 2 then we have set the preparatory stage between the ages of 8 to 11 which is again saying this is actually relating to the age appropriate learning and if you are saying that there is something called age appropriate learning then the ability of the child to learn and not um, uh, sort of not being forced down in a certain manner but actually about about the ability of the child to assimilate that that is how the curricula needs to be approached at. and therefore at the preparatory stage also where there will be actual some element of formal learning coming in the child is actually getting into a formal learning structure by having 
the three R's or what we call the foundational literacy and numeracy of reading, writing and basic numerical abilities that are brought about. And then you come to the middle stage and that's where the core learning really starts in a full-fledged manner. And in this stage, we don't want the hard separations between the curricular, the co-curricular and the extracurricular, between the arts and the science, between the vocational and the academic. Allow the child to en encourage the child to take up any subject of his or her choice in keeping with the principle that we will go with the holistic development of the child. So at the middle stage, you're actually getting into a little deeper learning and actually entrenching in the child the ability to make some choices, but moving away from rote learning and trying to have creative methods of learning, application-based methods of learning, introducing the appreciation of vocational arts and other subjects, which for which if there are no teachers, we have even said that they can have interns with craftsmen and artisans, which are available in a plenty in the country. And the most critical stage is between 9 to 12, which we call it as the secondary stage, to be seen in one single continuum. And the assessment over here also is not supposed to be high stakes, but is supposed to be one which will allow for the students' creative abilities, the, create, the application of knowledge and the practical knowledge, promoting the scientific temper. So the four uh, segments that we are talking about is not hard divide it's not divided in hard segments in hard boxes it is only that the teaching institution and the teacher and the parent as well as the student needs to understand that this is the best way in which learning would happen and what is today being dictated in terms of the curricula in terms of the learning uh, pedagogies this is something that is foreign to us Whereas this is something that is naturally attuned to the brain development and to the learning trajectory. So schools don't have to restructure themselves. The existing systems remain except for the secondary stage, which is 9 to 12 in one single continuum. And that part of it is somewhere where the state, since there may be possibility that the plus two is distinctly out of the class 10 system, there may be a way of trying to see how we may have to integrate that. It is only at that stage there's a little bit of challenge that might come in for the states. But otherwise, it is no physical restructuring of schools is expected. We only want the kind of pedagogy that is being used is appropriate to learning, which is specific to the age appropriate learning that children naturally are inclined to do. And in this process, you will be able to take along children with disabilities, that is both physical disabilities and learning disabilities. You see, we have put this thing, support for gifted children. In India, we do not have a policy for fast-tracking gifted children. At the same time, there are a lot of children with learning disabilities like the autistic children and so on. World over, there is research to suggest that autistic children are those we are considered as twice exceptional and they have very high abilities in a certain specific area. When you approach in this new way of 5 plus 3 plus 3 plus 4, looking at the ECC, looking at the foundational literacy and numeracy to address the issues of dropouts, you will also be able to factor out these twice exceptional children. And you will also be able to, in this whole exercise, bring in the 
equity aspect you see currently you will have a lot of dropouts belonging to the marginalized sections because you do not allow because multilingualism also comes in over here in this whole exercise our entire chapter 4 if one reads through that the idea of having learning in home language learning in their local language all this is a part of the 5 plus 3 plus 3 plus 4 let's not see it as independent recommendations so the issue of learning in local language promoting multilingualism to promote cognitive abilities having less stakes examinations to reduce the emphasis on coaching culture the whole flexibility of approach which is what today learners are looking for rather than structured ways where 100 children in a class are not seen as 100 clones of each other but each one of them is unique and this policy is an enabling one through this new restructuring of pedagogy and curricula and assessment to look at that flexibility and i think if it is understood in its true spirit and implemented in the manner that we have envisaged it i'm sure people would feel so relaxed and appreciate the joy of learning rather than thing going to school is actually a painful exercise children would be attracted to come into the school exercise uh ma'am uh, uh, so uh, the decision to uh, implement these policies i'm sure this rests with the state government and there comes a, a, a related question in terms of even though we are not doing the physical restructuring there are also concerns about uh, you know the existing school systems you know, we have as i said earlier we have 1 to 4 then 5 to 7 and 8 9 10 and then 11 and 12 uh, are we looking for an overhauling of the content part not only of the physical restriction because that is what envisaged by the policy so uh, there i see that you uh, know even the content is a big challenge and you know, people are talking about content who is going to create the content and uh, you know how do we give uh, you know what's the authenticity or you know who is going to approve the content i see that there is a national book promotion policy is also part of the this particular envisaged uh, uh, framework how do you see that how do you foresee that in a state like kerala uh, for example you know i see that uh, uh, we have icac cbsc and state board and we also have exams and there is another point that we need to discuss in detail you know who is going to conduct the exams and uh, we also looked at i think the policy and this is a state level uh, exam uh you know approval agency uh so can you could you elaborate on those aspects as well exams content and how that system has to reorient is not only the system i think parents and teachers everybody has to reorient along with the students students may not find it difficult because they are the new generation learners because they don't find it difficult but those who are implementing it they have to go through a lot of reorientation could you elaborate on those aspects Yes. So, firstly, I am happy you said that it is the states that is going that who are going to implement it. With the policy, one has to accept that education is a subject in the concurrent list, and therefore the implementation of it is largely to be done by the states, particularly when it comes to the school sector. In the higher education, since the higher education institutions are autonomous bodies, you only have broad frameworks within which they actually function. Now, the the policy envisages and currently also what is being done is that the content is not individually decided by state governments there is a national curriculum framework 
and this national curriculum framework which brings out the textbooks through the ncert and which is then adapted and appropriately modified on the basis of the regional requirements the policy very explicitly says that there will be a new ncf that is a curriculum framework for school education there will be a new curriculum and pedagogical framework for early childhood care and education and this task has been mandated to the ncert and the work has already been initiated we are hoping that by about latest by about 2022 through a very major consultative process where states are a part of it educationists are a part of it civil society is a part of it through all this thinking and democratic consensus building a curriculum framework which is attuned to the nep uh, vision is actually to be brought out let me clarify that that curriculum framework is not one size fits all it is not going to be a uniformized curriculum it is very very explicit in the nep itself that each state and each region will be able to take in certain core part of that curriculum but will have largely having the freedom to uh, induct and incorporate what might be regional context and what might be regional regionally that may be more contextualized for the learner you see many times students would ask why am i learning in history about only mesopotamia if you tell even in geography if you tell fruits that are available in your region so if you tell in kerala about jackfruit or things that are available here the child relates to that much better always for school children or for any learning it has to be contextualized so local content so with your apprehension of a national book promotion policy please don't have the apprehension that there will be one textbook that would be given by the government of india and therefore all state governments will follow that it is not done in the past and it will not be done in the future also every state will have the state council for education research and training which can adapt that curricula which has been given within the broad framework with the regional content the core curriculum being the same but modified to take in regional requirements therefore the content will automatically be taken care of when it comes obviously to this new content that is going to come the teacher training will become an integral part and i must mention that there is a whole lot of reforms in teacher education that is being envisaged by 2030 the four year integrated bed is the only eligibility to become a teacher irrespective of the level at which you teach none of your diploma programs and all these while we are allowing the two year program and we are also allowing a one year diploma for graduates who have done the four year multidisciplinary bachelor's degree basically since we are talking in school education of a teacher who will join early childhood care and education teaching a five year old can go on to become a teacher teaching the plus 2 level because it is the same eligibility and you will create a career growth for that teacher so when you say the content that is being made the curricula the teacher training part of it and the teacher in service training that we are visualizing therefore the apprehension that who is going to do that as far as the assessment while you might have different boards we have respected the fact that there are as many as about 47 or 48 boards of assessment across the length and breadth including the cbse the icse and so on and there are, there is a body that we are looking at to rationalize the assessment so that we move away from the high stakes exams 
move away from road based memorization testing to other forms of testing where we also want to use technology for individualized and customized assessment adaptive testing learning as per the competencies of the child so within a same class you can have three levels of assessment taking place meant for targeting the high achievers the low achievers and the average achievers all this is possible because we are talking of a body that will be created which will be a um, um, a federal structure which is parak it is a national assessment center because right now what has happened is a particular state board tends to be very lenient and another state board tends to be very rigid and very strict and when you actually have a calibration being done you are not actually being able to test them on a same level and you are putting students in one state at an advantage another state at a disadvantage this becomes important when you go in for admissions to the higher classes and you have national level entrance examinations taking place so parak is a body which is trying to actually bring about a rationalization so that all state boards of assessment as well as the cbse as well as the indian council for school education all of them will have certain common parameters and will have certain testing methods which will be which would allow for children's mobility when they move on from one board to another or from one state to another state so all overall the institutions only have to be open minded in trying to say that you know when we work out the implementation strategies and that is for the governmental level and every school i would urge every school to work out an institutional development plan where they try to take into account their availability of teachers their availability of infrastructure so that then they can make out a case see if we want to implement this this is what our school is lacking we don't have teachers in these areas we are lacking in the expertise of training in these areas the ict facilities the infrastructure facilities and we have thought of solutions where we thought that maybe we can have school complexes because when we say government and government aided schools infrastructure might be a huge deficit and therefore the idea of a school complex coming together for sharing of resources so i think all in all we are at at a the policy has uh, appreciated that states will implement but they are not to be left alone to sort of fend for themselves there will be a a, a master plan of action by the government and the state will have to align and see where it would be so you are aware you see states like bihar might not be as prepared as kerala is so you can't say bihar will implement all these changes because there are teacher vacancies first and foremost filling up the teacher vacancies if you want anything to happen in the school sector or in the higher education the faculty and the teacher vacancies have to be addressed first how fast can you do that would depend upon the budget availability would depend upon how you can fast track that recruitment and ensure that quality teachers are being taken so it it is as i said actions in parallel but it is not daunting uh, yeah, and we need not be daunted things have fallen into place with proper planning of infrastructure human resources training but the most important thing is not to resist it saying that no this is something that the government of india is doing and therefore we will not try to do that you cannot that cannot take place because you need to think about the future of the children in your own state that they should be also be beneficiaries 
of the changes that are happening which are intended for betterment and not meant to retrograde yes ma'am so uh, i i have a related question again uh, because uh, last year i had the opportunity to discuss the policy to an audience which was you know attended by mainly by the school authorities so one concern they raise is related to what you answered now because that policy the policy also states that accountability factor so all the schools are expected to you know publish uh, number of uh, classrooms infrastructure even the uh, teachers qualifications if i'm not wrong and this was highly objected by you know some of the leading private schools and when i presented it you know i i was actually reading out from the policy but immediately i got the objection saying that okay this can't be done and then i tried to understand why they are objecting so i see there is a you know the kind of system that we are following in kerala especially in private schools by unaided private schools uh, teachers will come and go there is no continuity there is no stability and uh, we don't know actually even uh, many times parents are also not aware of what is happening in school in terms of who is teaching what is their background what is the education background and experience and so on and so forth so this nep is trying to address some of these issues as far as i understand could you elaborate on those as so as a matter of principle the nep recognizes and respects the role of the private sector in education whether it is school education professional education vocational education or higher education and it is something that we cannot uh, uh, deny it is uh, very much a part and parcel in contributing to the uh, educational needs of the society but it also says that education is not a commercial activity and it cannot be a it is a public good and therefore it cannot be used for private investment and therefore for commercializing it or marketizing it as a commodity while many might say that this is uh, uh, in direct contrast to the idea of the gats agreement the fact remains that as a social welfare state we are part and parcel of accepting that the private institutions will also have a, a role to play and they will continue to play that role what the policy said is that we will govern public and private institutions as per the same norms and standards and therefore this question of you know all the criteria that needs to be followed will be same for whether they are private institutions or whether they are public funded institutions so government and government aided and private and pri- absolutely private schools with no aid coming from the government will also have to follow the same set of norms now we have said in the chapter on the school governance the setting up of school standards state school standards authority globally accreditation of schools is a natural normal logical phenomenon you need to accredit the schools and rank them according to their performances now if you want to have that you need to have certain basic parameters and performance indicators in terms of the number of teacher student ratio the kind of pupil to classroom ratio the kind of infrastructure available the ict facilities available laboratory facilities available library facilities available and these are not to be kept hidden because by the fact of transparency the best way is not to have inspectorial regime 
if you want to move away from an inspectorial and an auditing regime you need to make things transparent and put it in the public domain for people to see it as a parent when i am sending my child to the school i might like to open the website of that school to know what is the school structure looking like what are the resources available within the school and therefore knowing about the teacher qualifications which means that if the private schools are hesitant to actually put it up then there is something that is not desirable that is happening there and that is therefore essential for a government and it doesn't matter whether that private school is catering to an elite segment of the population or not it is important for the government to know where what kind of facilities are there what are the teacher qualifications there has been an instance of a state government where when the state government was given complaints by the parents about the teaching in a particular private school that team who went from the state government was not allowed to cross the iron gates of the school at all it said that you had no business to enter this place the idea of setting up the state school standards authority to prevent such kind of incidents from happening we would not like it it is not an idea to actually look with a magnifying glass but we would like to see that all the parameters child safety the you have incidents of child abuse that is happening you've been seeing a lot of unfortunate incidents that have been happening all these needs to be ensured and if all these needs to be ensured it doesn't matter whether the management is the government or whether it is a private sector and the only thing you can do without having human interface is to use technology for public disclosure through the website and i think if the private schools are resisting it then one really needs to understand why they are resisting it which means that they are not having good practices and if they are not having good practices they must be brought to book and they must be made to ensure that they you see for the higher education i know the nac team goes for inspecting they see a list of faculty that are there on the rolls of that college or that university and then they will see that same set of persons also being shown in another school or another college or another university now these are things which actually give scope for you know unfair practices the idea in the nep as far as correcting these kind of aberrations is not to use the human intervention where there is scope for corruption but to use technology and public disclosure so that you will do away with the inspectorial regime and you will only have it through public disclosure only when you realize that something is not happening properly then you will have bodies like the state school standards authority it's not really there to do a policing role but it is to ensure standards and for that we have said a school quality assessment and accreditation framework the sqaf along with the state school standards authority together will be able to bring about a qualitatively a qualitative change in the schools and the idea is to bring the lower level schools to a higher level by some degree of hand holding and mentoring and trying to say that this is how you can reach those levels of performance indicators by which you can get into better levels of learning outcomes of the students and better quality of teaching and learning so man uh, uh, one of the, uh, crit- the 
uh, among the so many critics uh, you know one of the critical points uh, is about even though nep is uh, giving a very flexible framework in terms of i try to explain what i mean by that you know we have a national framework for example textbook we discussed you know we are giving some common elements but it's up to the state uh, board state level educators to decide what to be included how to contextualize and customize it but at the same time uh, now we are talking about the standardization process then they say like there is a there is a there is, this is exactly opposite the, the very idea that the larger nep is envisaging because even though we talk about uh, when you, even though you said about you know away, be away from the inspector raj but by just by just disclosing the 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 speeches background experience what they are doing or the school infrastructure and all and all uh are we also restricting the entry of those educators who really want to play a role but by setting the standards will it restrict the entry of you know those who you know because you know, i am reminded by some of these great works done by uh, james tooley and all i'm sure you are familiar with those works now they said you know india uh, you know the studies in hyderabad and all they they talked about you know school uh, entry level barrier in school education for those you know uh, educators who to enter the school education field is so high that you know uh, mo- most of the time in hyderabad slums this is one of the study areas for them uh, they found out that schools are actually taught in bedrooms <laughs> i mean uh, one local teacher will be there because there are not sufficient interest in school infrastructure and also to have that you know i think this is a debate in india for so many decades now for some of the standardizations that we have set in education especially school education you need to have a playground you need to have but in the in the heart of the city how is it possible for somebody to invest that much and it becomes costly then of course your private school education will be only meant for the elites so how do you address this you know uh, uh, issues that people raise on national education policy for well Uh, when we talked about the state school standards authority i'm sure all of us as educators realize that there is an ideal pupil teacher ratio and the reality may be very different on ground you might ideally say it should be at a certain class level 1 is to 30 and then if teacher vacancies are not filled in obviously there are instances in this country of multi grade teaching of single teacher schools of para teachers this is the reality of india across the length and breadth of this country kerala may not see that kind of a situation because it is uh, educationally a very very advanced state and here the teacher appointments are very transparent and so on now to lay down standards is not uniformization it is only because performance is related to that now i fail to understand that if you want to take an educator see as of now it is very true even in the committee we discussed we have members who said that we want to come into teaching but i don't have a beard and if i don't have a beard i can't teach in a school i don't have a beard degree so how much ever i would like to enter into teaching in a school i am not qualified to teach that but there are many ways in which you can sub, you can use or if there are educators who want to actually contribute you can have so many innovative ways in which you can do that you can have a session in which you you use that educator you use the 
kind of resources that that educator is having through the institutional framework of the school without actually getting them so we actually in this policy have said that for the foundational literacy and numeracy mission we have said that we will take in social workers we will take in senior peer students and so on now this is an opportunity and including the idea of a mentorship program so there is an idea where you might not be actually there may be educators who may not have bed qualification and therefore cannot be on the roles of a school but they could be there as mentors there could be there as people who would like to support the institution in taking forward many of these missions like foundational literacy and numeracy and so on so we have kept for some inroads where there is a scope for the conventionally qualified teacher not maybe getting an access to get it as a formal teacher and mind you we have also recognized that even the higher education faculty when you talk about a community kind of a school and a college being there that there has to be a social commitment where even a college faculty can go on to sometimes contributing to teaching of the secondary school teachers so schools can bring about this kind of flexible arrangements but it is a fact that if you you, you see this country has if you give that leeway that no you can take in non bed people also then you do have doubtful intentions because it need not necessarily be used for the purpose for which it is intended and therefore these you know wide ranging flexibilities we have not reached that degree of maturity to really use that for the intended objectives and that is why the policy does give you that enabling one but it is difficult and i think laying down standards is not a mechanism by saying that this is contradicting to the idea of flexibility of a standards have to be there you need not have playgrounds but you should be able to at least tie up with a playground and that is why we set up a school complex so i was coming to that point i mean absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, playground in every school we need not have a music teacher in every school we need not have a sports teacher in every school but you need to share the resources we have to accept that learning is an activity which needs to have a community orientation and all schools need to come let's not think that once i close the iron gates of the school everything that is there is holier than the cow and therefore nobody can touch it nobody can see it my students will not mix with others that way learning does not take place we need to unshackle that thought process of together so ma'am uh, could you could you uh, give more insights on the school complex you mentioned yes so the government and government aided schools and we are hoping because we did not have the courage to put even the private in that school complex but we have said that the secondary and the higher secondary and all schools because this part of the world we don't have schools which are classes 1 to 3 3 to 5 5 to 8 8 to 10 and so on we have largely schools which go on for classes 1 to 10 and then you have your plus 2 that is separate but there are a large part of india which is particularly the northern part of india where there are schools which are having unviable numbers and who are located in and we have put in our policy that that from middle school all students can take up i can take up english or i can take up hindi or i can take up urdu or i can learn music or i can learn a sport or i can learn a vocational subject i can learn maths and science all there are no teachers and how do you go about that 
how do you go about having the library facilities how do you go about having the laboratory facilities how do you have the ict infrastructure so we have said that there could be a mapping of the schools to create a school complex there could be principles of the existing schools but there would also be a school complex management committee so other than the smcs you will also have the school complex management committee managing committee which would have all the principles of these schools including the head teachers and so on and look at how you could work out the sharing of the physical infrastructural and the human resources to the optimal level and if there is a question of actually difficulty in moving you see somebody mentioned that if you see some part of india there is a huge hillock in between two schools on the map it will look as if it's only about a kilometer and a half but in between the two schools there is a hillock and therefore if you have to transport you actually need to go round the hillock which is not uh, viable as such so this kind of mapping which the district administration and the block level administration is aware of that department and that is where the department of school education which looks after the operation along with the schools will create not only the smcs coming together but a school complex management committee and if at all it is a question of transporting either the teachers or the students work out the transport facilities so that this is possible now this may not be possible on a daily basis and that's what i said working out all these minute details of implementation is very very critical to optimizing optimizing all these recommendations in letter and spirit but we have said language teachers performing arts all this because we want children to learn music we want them to learn about our the various cultural forms that are there and these all should be considered as contributing to the curricula and the weightage so right now you think somebody who is learning music no marks should be given then the person comes for admission to the higher level no no music is not to be counted we will only take your pcm combination or your pcb combination or your other social subjects combinations depending upon the stream we are doing away with all that and that is why even in the school complex working out the minute details transporting either the teachers or the students don't close down schools because india is a country where access to education is a critical factor and if you close down schools and then say that all students will have to go to a big school which is also been tried out in rajasthan and gujarat but we would not like to have that but that may have worked out in that particular state but that need not be the model when we work out school complexes in other states so we have kept equity considerations and said the school complex might help to overcome the deficits in infrastructure and human resource deficits thank you so much for your time ma'am we are thankful to you uh, for spending 2 hours explaining nep and uh, how this is going to impact our uh, school education and what are the positive outcomes that we expect i'm sure we will be organizing uh, talk series on uh, you know higher education in the immediate future i'm uh, looking forward to the conversation and i'm sure all the participants also benefited from your insights and uh, understanding about nep thanks to nc Uh, to conclude the session so with this we have come to the end of the discussion thank you to all our listeners for joining us you can listen to our podcast on our social media accounts with the hashtag policy beyond politics podcast for more research and content from cppr do log into our website www.cppr.in 
follow our work on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn or subscribe to our updates on Telegram. Thank you and we'll be back again soon with many more interesting discussions with eminent scholars. Bye.